Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. It's a big week in USC football with the future of the Trojans in the NFL coming up. We got Pro Day at USC on Wednesday. We had a big Zoom call earlier on Monday with all of the potential Trojan NFL draft prospects. And we got to talk to head coach Clay Helton about those guys, also the upcoming spring football session for USC. So a lot of stuff going on today. We want to talk about all of that with the coach. Harvey Hyde, if you have any questions or comments for us on the show, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or call or text us at 424-254-9141 on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a five-star rating and a review. Any questions, we'd love to hear from you over there as well. And if you want to follow the coach, Harvey Hyde, follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. And we have him on the line. Coach, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, buddy. I tell you, I was cheering for you the entire weekend. You can't believe I had the band out, cheerleaders out, the whole thing following you on your activity that you were doing. I don't want to tell everybody what you accomplished, but what a great feeling, isn't it, to accomplish something that you go out and you know it's not going to be easy, but you got it done. Thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. And so if you guys don't know, Coach is a big Catalina guy, and that's what I did. I was uh, We didn't do the show last week. I was on Catalina Island, and I did the Trans-Catalina Trail. It was about 50 miles hiking and camping over uh, three days. So it was definitely strenuous, Coach. I mean, I haven't done anything like that before, so pretty crazy, but I uh, had a good time with it. That's why you feel better about it, because it is hard, and you accomplish it. You got it done, and you can say you got it done. You feel good about yourself. You can get up in the morning. You can look in the mirror. You won. That's what it's all about. Yeah, well, thanks, Coach. And there's a bunch of USC players that are trying to get out there and win uh, at the next level. Uh, for the NFL. So what normally what happens for pro day is um, USC would have a pro day. You do interviews with the players. You'd watch them work out. There's scouts there. There's coaches there, all that stuff. Uh, it's a little different this year. One, because the NFL combine, they're not having in-person workouts. So it's all going to be done at the individual pro days. There were seven USC football players uh, that were invited to the NFL combine but what ends up happening was on Monday, earlier today, we usually tape the show earlier, but I have basically three hours of Zoom calls with all these players. So we got to hear from them and kind of, I'll, I'll give you some tidbits of each one. I'm going to get coach's thoughts. And we heard from Clay Helton. He talked a little about those guys in, in spring football. Uh, but we will on Wednesday be able to go out and watch them uh, work out. A little more limited as far as media access to pro day. Usually there's a ton of people out there. So it'll be a little more limited this year, but it's really taking pl- the t- taking the place of of the NFL Combine, so it's an important uh, it's important week uh, for these future Trojans. And, and coach, just overall, I was really impressed with what I heard from uh, all of the players. A lot of mature guys, so uh, I'm curious to see. I'll, I'll we'll go by one by one and get your thoughts on them and what you think about them as a as an NFL type of prospect. But I, I know it's always an interesting time for a coach when you have players that you've groomed over the last you know three four five years and then they have a chance to move on to the next level you're exactly right and i used to always make sure we had it in a location 
where all my underclassmen could sit and watch it, stay out of the player's way so they could look forward to someday possibly being in that situation where they might be drafted or have an opportunity to play in, in the NFL. It's part of a motivational thing that I used to use it for. I used to try to get as many scouts and coaches and general managers there as possible to help the kids, and we always used to make it very special, especially when I was in Vegas, because we used to put on a dinner for them and to go to a show and all of the things following Pro Day so that they'd always want to come. They always wanted, they always found a reason to come. And uh, it was really great because our younger class uh, people were able to see what someday they'd be doing, and uh, I think it's great. I really do, and uh, I hope that it's always successful for our players to have that opportunity you know you play on friday then you play on saturday then everyone doesn't have the opportunity of playing on sunday monday or thursday or whatever day it is now in the nfl but it's a great experience to go to camp and say that you did go to a camp and all players don't make it but they have an opportunity of going and having that experience yeah and clay hilton did say that all 32 teams would be represented at pro day um they were doing some stuff today like some wonderlick tests and things like that but I'll go through the, the players real quick. Um, so Jay Tefele is the only you know, defensive tackle, the only player to opt out and did not play this 2020 season. Now, he was dealing with a family issue. His sister uh, was near death in the hospital because of COVID-19, and he felt that was the best decision for his, you know him and his family. Uh, he's just, just talking to him, Coach. Sounded super mature, uh, really had worked on his – uh, body during this off season and, and, you know, while he was away from the team and feels he's really ready. Just, I think just listening to him coach, he was really, it was a really impressive kid. Uh, but what are your thoughts about Jay Tefele, uh playing in the NFL? Well, I think he had to do what he had to do and he did it as far as uh, being with his family and he knows the circumstances more than we do. So it's hard for me to judge on that. All I can say is that yes, he is a mature kid and I think that playing would have absolutely helped him a great deal as far as getting the uh, the more experience, the more you play the game, the better you react, the more experience and exposure you get. And it's just part of the game. If you stay away from the game too long, your skills and your reactions uh, aren't the same. It takes you a while to get them back. But uh, he did what he have, had to do. I think he'll have an opportunity uh, uh, possibly. I don't know what round he'll go in, but I didn't have a chance to watch him play this year. Yeah. So I don't know how much he's matured, but I think he'll have an opportunity to play in the NFL or get a chance to, you know, go in the later rounds as far as uh, for the uh, NFL draft. And who knows? He could make it. He's a big, strong, tough kid and can play inside. It's funny. He talked about uh, strengthening his core quite a bit, and it was going to help with endurance. And that's the I forget that there, you know, he's one of those the fancy workout places that they do the, the combine stuff, the draft stuff. Um, but that's exactly what the new strength and conditioning coach Robert Steiner's focused a lot on too. Um, from the players we've talked to, coach, you know, core workouts seem to be a, a pretty big thing nowadays. That's not something I think was focused on. So it's interesting that the the current players are doing a lot of more core stuff. But Jay Tefeli was doing a lot of it too for his NFL workouts. Yes, they are doing it. I should be doing it too. But, uh... <laughs> Right, I should be doing it too. It's just one thing I've never enjoyed doing, okay? But I'm glad you're in inspiring me and in saying that I should be doing it. It's funny. I mean, I'm doing, so during the COVID stuff, I've been doing a lot of Zoom workouts and um, a lot of the dumbbell stuff I was doing. It's kind of lighter weights, but doing a lot of squats and there's a high rep stuff and a lot of core workouts. Like some of them are like 40 minute for full on core workouts. But I feel like when he said that, I'm like, 
I think that helped with my endurance. I mean, hiking, you know, 17 miles a day or whatever with a heavy pack on, I felt like, you know, going uphill with your legs, some of that squat stuff was great, but also just the endurance from the core. So I think there's something to it. I'm no football workout expert, but uh, that's something he's been doing, coach. And uh, Elijah Griffin was the next guy we got to talk to, uh, the cornerback. Um, all the confidence in the world. He says he's going to be showing out for the pro day. Uh, just you just love listening to this kid. You know, he talked about having a famous dad, Warren G. You know, Warren G's his dad, and how that you know it's been a benefit to him. Just kind of you know for for helping him through this process. But uh, smooth, smooth player out there. Not the biggest guy in the world. Any thoughts on uh, Elijah Griffin in the NFL? Well, I think sometimes people are in a little bit uh, too much of a hurry. I mean, I think he's a bubble guy. This is just my opinion. I think he's a great athlete and a great player, but I think uh, the same thing as another year, I think might have done him a lot of good as far as maturing, having the experience of playing again, uh, having the same secondary coach two years in a row. But again, he decided to come out, and uh, you've got to wish him the best of luck. I used to hate to wish the guys the best of luck. Okay, I wanted him to have the best of luck with our program first and then go out. But you're losing players through the portal, and you're losing players early as far as with the NFL draft. So you've got to really uh, do a great job in recruiting to to replace these guys. But, you know, uh, he's a very confident type of kid, a, a cocky player. I call him a cocky player, you know. Always got an extra word to put in there and some of that, some of that stuff. And I think that that's got to basically go uh in the nfl as far as now i'd make sure i'd let it go but in the nfl they do a lot of talking they do a lot of different things but right now and on the draft board or trying to get drafted and so on i just stick right to football and forget everything else yeah uh amon rossi brown was up next uh tons of maturity there too always confident he talked more about numbers than just about anybody as far as combine stuff goes because there's certain players that are good you know they're going to be good at the combine he wanted to put up, you know, for the bench press, they do reps of 225 pounds. And how many reps can you do? His goal, he said, was 25 times. And, uh, you know, he, his dad was, you know, Mr. Universe. Like, he's grown up in a weight room. Um, but I'm curious to see what he does. He'll do fine in all the drills and everything. But I want to see what kind of numbers he puts up and all the other stuff. Because I think he might have some, some eye-popping ones. Well, uh, he'll always be good in those type of drills. He's strong and he's quick. And uh, I think that's what they're looking for today, especially in the slot back type of situation. And he's a special teams guy. He can play special teams. So he has uh, other opportunities to assist your football team. Remember, your rosters are limited, so you have to get people that can do special teams and play special teams. And he can do that. And uh, I think that he's, uh, uh, well, he's coming out a year when there's a lot of great receivers, okay? Really a great uh, group of receivers. So I think you could put put him in the classification of some of the top receivers. Uh, and it's going to be interesting how these receivers are drafted. It's really going to be interesting to see how these receivers are drafted. If you see some of the NFL free agency that's going on, well, uh, you know, uh, uh some of them aren't getting the big bucks that they used to. Some are, and it's surprising that uh, they can get the type of money uh, that they're getting. Uh, you know, like, uh, what's his name, uh, the receiver that went to uh, uh, New England from USC. Uh, what's his name? Um, Nelson Aguilar, is that? No, you know, he just left uh, and he got $26 million for two years. Uh, 
can't think of his name right now. But I mean, I mean that that shocked me getting twenty six million dollars for two years, and and of course, uh, you know, uh, and then Juju Smith Schuster signs an eight million dollar contract. So you don't really know what the value is today, and uh, I think that with all the players that are available. As far as in the receiver area, he's among, he's among a great group of receivers. So I think he's up there. I think he'll go early. But again, I don't know when. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of which one. Was it, Mar- it wasn't Marquise Lee, right, that signed? Yeah, uh, he. I'll think of it. I just I have it in my mind, but I blanked out. I shouldn't have brought it up. Oh, no problem. Okay. Uh, well, speaking of wide receivers, uh, you have – uh, Tyler Vaughn's and he did contemplate coming back to school. He was a fifth year senior. He'd been around a long time. I think he's third all time in USC receptions. He said, yeah, he thought about coming back to break the record, but he felt if it was a full season, he would have had uh, the record. He wants to try to run a four, four uh, at the 40 yard dash. I think that would certainly help him. Um, Clay Hilton was gushing about Tyler Vaughn's, how he contributed and some of the big plays he made uh, while at USC he might not have like the eye popping numbers, but definitely a lot of production, a lot of experience. What are your thoughts on uh, Tyler Vaughn's? Well, I agree with what he said there. I think that he's got he's a big he's a big receiver. Uh, I think he's limited in speed. He made a lot of his uh, pass receptions as far as just going high up into the air and making great plays. Uh, and uh, I think he uh, I think he'll he'll get an opportunity. He's a route guy. He's a route guy in the NFL. They're not going to really. Uh, fear his speed as far as getting beat deep, but he'll be able to, you know, beat you on outs, comebacks, uh, curls against zones, and so on. He'll be especially good against zones, and uh, but he'll make it. He'll 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 have an opportunity to play in the NFL. He's a tough guy, and he loves the game of football, and I think that's important. Uh, and I think he's a the leader type of guy, and I don't think he'll be intimidated. I think he'll go out there and do a great job. So Tyler Vaughn, uh, not high. Because there's a lot of great receivers, but we'll get a, an opportunity. One of my favorite guys, uh, well, Tyler Vaughn is one of my favorite dudes, but Tyler Nohufungo has been as well, uh, the safety. I think he stole the show and the little Zoom calls that we had. Um, you know, guys are working out at these fancy combine places, all this high-tech stuff. He said he's not doing any of that. He had become friends with Troy Palomalo, you know, USC legend, uh, NFL legend over the years. Uh, was introduced to a cousin, you know, from a cousin, um, for, you know, from the, like the, the Tonga community and was introduced to Troy Palomalu and the, he's just working with him one-on-one. So no high tech, nothing, just him and Troy Palomalu working one-on-one. It sort of reminded me of like Rocky four coach. If you remember when Rocky has to fight Ivan Drago in Russia and he's just out in the some yurt somewhere like doing sit-ups and, and running through the snow. Like, I feel like that's what Talanoa Funga's doing with Troy Palomalu, but I thought that was great. That Nothing c- created more buzz on this Zoom call than when Talanoa talked about just working one-on-one with Troy. I agree with you 100%. I'll tell you, I've loved this kid. You've heard me talk about him for the last two years as the best defensive player in the Pac-12, and he definitely is. This kid makes plays everywhere. When he was ever injured, he injured himself by trying to just take somebody out legally now, don't get me wrong, but he had 15, 16 tackles a game, made big plays, was a leader on the defensive side of the football, not by by uh, yelling or screaming or dancing in the end zone, but uh, doing the leadership by the way he played the game of football, and that's what they're looking for in the NFL. I would be really surprised if he doesn't go 
in the first round, late in the first round or early second round. I would be shocked because this guy can really play and cover the field, and he can be utilized in so many different ways in the NFL today. Special teams, you name it. I would want this type of guy on my team. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just talking to him, he's uh, yeah, he's someone that you just you have a conversation with him. You were like, yeah, that's a guy I want on my team. Another guy I really like talking to, Marlon Tui Pelotu. I think he helped his draft stock tremendously. He was probably the beneficiary or one of the beneficiaries when Jay Tefele opted out. Uh, he had he had a great 2020 season. Came out of the you know when the the whole defense wasn't really playing well. He was sort of a one man show early on. Um, he's roommates actually with Talanoa Funga, and they've kind of helped each other through this process. He got to play with his younger brother Tuli. I, I asked him about one of his favorite moments at USC. You know, he mentioned that playing with his brother uh, on there. But another kid seems really mature. Um, I feel like he's going to impress some scouts as well. Any thoughts on Marlon Tuipelotu? I like him. I think he plays hard on every down, and uh, I think he's got to work a little bit on his endurance, be able to play hard on every down in the NFL. you got to play hard on every down, and you've got to work on your power rushing and getting rid of the, the blocker and that type of stuff. But he made some big plays by slipping and using his you know, overarm and underarm technique and getting into the backfield, and that's where he made some big plays. So I like him. I think he'll have a great opportunity. I think he'll make an NFL football team. There's no question of that in my mind because you're looking for guys that can hold up the middle and keep the linemen off the linebackers and, uh, you know, play on their side of the football when you can. You got uh, the last guy we got to talk to, Elijah Vera Tucker, USC's left tackle. He certainly felt that uh, moving out to left tackle helped uh, his draft stock because, you know, that showed his versatility and being able to play there. He said it was a little – Tough early on, uh, you know, just trying to get the feel for it, but he felt more comfortable uh, later on. He's probably going to be a middle first-round draft pick. He says he's not really concerned with the the mock drafts, but, you know, if you're going to be a first-round draft pick, you probably don't need to be concerned with all that stuff. Um, but, you know, overall, uh, you know, he's probably going to be the first player off the board uh, from USC. What are your thoughts on uh, AVT, Coach? Well, it's very hard to find great offensive linemen. It's the key because the offensive tackles have got to block these great defensive ends. I mean, they come across the ball. They're jumping off the ball. You even think they're offside. So they've got to be really have great feet. They've got to be able to move. And then on the other side of it, they've got to be able to block on the run side of it because in the NFL, you've got to run the football in order to win. You can't pass the football on every down. And I think he's got to improve a little bit on that and finishing blocks as far as taking guys to the ground if you can and getting off a block and making a second block. But I think he'll be a first-round draft choice. I think he'll make a team definitely. I think he'll be, oh, I'd say in the top 20. I don't know if he'll be in the top 15. Maybe he'll be even the fifth or sixth player. It depends who and what uh, the needs are of a football team. So, uh, yeah, definitely. He's a first-round selection. And the best thing he did do is prove he can play outside and play at the left tackle position. But that's the most important tackle, especially when you have a right-handed quarterback. Yeah, he said they were looking at him. At, you know, he could be a guard. He could be a tackle. It just depends on which team ends up picking him up. So, uh, But I, I would expect him to be the first guy off the board for USC. But overall, I thought that all the players well represented. And uh, that's one of the things I've seen over the years. Just there's a lot of great guys that have come through the program uh, well spoken. There's, you know, I think they're going to represent uh, themselves and the university very well at the next level. And we wish them all the best. And we'll uh, keep you updated on what's going on with them. 
over at uscfootball.com. We'll have more details on the site if you want to get more details on what they all had to say. But then we got to talk to Clay Helton, and he had some questions about like what he thinks about certain players. I shared some of that. But we got some uh, some good news. I mean, well, he talked about spring football. Uh, it's going to start March 30th. He said March 29th, but that's basically when they're reporting. The practices will be the same sort of format, starting from March 30th, five straight weeks, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So we've seen that. Um, the spring game is going to be in the middle. So it will be, um, when you're talking March 30th, uh, basically the third Saturday will be, the, they call it a spring showcase. He said he'll try to make it as uh, game-like a, as possible um, of what they're going to do there. Uh, but the, also he said that, you know, they're, they're working on, you know, with the local health officials to have media be able to attend practice. Um, I know like at the university of Arizona, they're starting this week. They're going to have some limited fans that can come. Uh, I don't know if there'll be fans at the showcase, but at least as of now, coach, it looks like we're going to be able to go and uh, watch practice again. Well, that'll be great. Uh, they'll probably spread us around a little bit, which uh, I think we want anyway. And uh, probably, uh, you know, we'll have to follow the guidelines and what we're supposed to do, and that's what we should be doing anyway. And nobody should abuse it in any way because we're protecting the players and ourselves and everybody else. So I, I would look forward to that. I think that's a great opportunity for all of us, and we've all missed that opportunity. Not only that, but gathering and seeing each other at the same time. So I think that's great. I hadn't heard that. Now I hear that. makes me feel good about football again. Just Not that I didn't feel good about football, <laughs> but I mean being able to see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why, we, that's why we had to delay the podcast a little today because there was just we knew there was going to be a bunch of news coming out, so I had to kind of get on these Zoom calls and stuff. Um, but, yeah, so there's some, some interesting stuff there. He was also uh, – and, you know, this happens, Coach. We'll probably have to, I'm going to ask you about what you would say about your strength and conditioning, Coach, but – he came away really impressed with Robert Steiner, the new strength and conditioning coach. They've had eight weeks of these winter workouts, and he just said the guys are like in really great football shape. Um, he's just been impressed with how they've worked. Um, like I, I put that out on Twitter, and people are like, "Oh, that's what you're always going to say." And I get it. And I, I, you know, talking to players, we, you know, every time we talk to players, they seem really excited about what Robert Steiner's doing. Um, they don't want to you know, put any disrespect towards uh, Aaron Osmus. It's just going to be a different kind of workout. But I don't know. The, the feeling I get here, Coach, is that they're, everyone's pretty excited about what the, the players are doing and how hard they're working and uh, what the expectations will be for them in the spring. Well, you know, as we said, uh, it's very important that the players want to go and work out. they got to like the guy they're working out for, and they see progress and uh, results. I think that's what it's all about. You got to want players to go to the weight room and do conditioning. You don't want it to be a penalty, uh, penalized, penalized. Oh, I'm I'm getting penalized because I have to go in there. I don't want to go in there. I don't like what I'm doing in there. I'm going to get hurt in there. All the different things that sometimes go through the players' minds. You want them to can't wait for the workout period that's going on. And if players are saying they enjoy what's going on and it looks as though that the uh, conditioning of the players are there and they're all type of uh, exercises that relate to the game and you've always heard me say I don't want uh, muscle builders or weightlifters I want football players developed in the in the offseason conditioning and if that's going on and that's happening then I'm happy too so uh, we'll wait and see just exactly how that folds out but we'll be able to take a look at the players when we're out there at spring practice and make some of our own interpretations on what we think's happened the past eight weeks yeah, for sure. And there was some other kind of newsy stuff 
Um, so as you know, uh, linebacker Pelier Nootoote, he uh, is in the NCAA transfer portal, but they listed him on the spring roster. So he's actually in school, but and the door's still open, according to Clay Helton. But um, there is no, uh, you know, he's not back or anything. So he could potentially come back. I, I kind of doubt that he would. Um, but yeah, so he's still in the transfer portal. Also, Manir McLean, uh, he was suspended, if you if you remember, um, and he is uh, he's on the roster, but he remains suspended. We talked about that in the war room last week, and uh, Clay Helton confirmed that. And also, the transfer from Alabama defensive tackle Ismail Shafshir, he had a compartment syndrome surgery, similar to what Michael Pittman had. Actually, Mo Hassan, uh, the you know he had that as well. Um, so he didn't seem uh, very confident that you're going to see him in spring camp. Uh, but, you know, he had that surgery. You'll probably see him in the fall. But all of the, the four transfers, uh, Clay Hilton was raving about all of them when what he got to see. So there's 14 newcomers that are going to be on the roster, Coach, going into to spring. But just a little, some little newsy stuff of what we heard from uh, Clay Hilton today. I don't know. Are they allowing these uh, portal guys to work out with the team, or, or what are they doing with them? Are they part of the team or not part of the team? Yeah, so as far as the, like for Palieno, Teote, they're not working out with the team, but they're still, like he's still in class. Uh, but the guys that have transferred in, they're they're working out with the team. They're already, you know, they're on the roster. They're part of spring football. Uh, so all four of those transfers are in there, except for Softshore right now, just because he's injured. Well, the only thing I've heard negative or discussed negative or, or anything so far right now is a defensive lineman from Alabama having surgery and not being in spring practice. But this is a big period of time as far as a football coach, as far as a head football coach and a positional coach. You guys, when you take players on portal or community college players, you got to find out if they can play. You don't take a portal player to be a backup player. You take him because you can win right now with this guy. Otherwise, I'm not going to be around here long. And when a kid has surgery or something happens like that, you really don't have a chance to evaluate him and find out, is he a starter? Can we win with him? Can we beat Alabama with him? Can we uh, win the Pac-12 with these guys like Nixon and the rest of them that came in? So you got to find out in the spring how good these guys are, and you got to find out just how much uh, your players that are returning respect these guys. Because these guys are coming in to take their job and these guys don't want to give up their job. So uh, it's very important that uh, uh, you get these guys a, a turn against the ones to find out just how good they are. Now, some of the younger players that are coming in as freshmen, you want them to, you know, relax and learn their position and not put a lot of pressure on them and don't let them make mental errors and so on because they're going to be nervous anyway in the first place. Not that they haven't played a lot of football, but, uh, you know, you don't want to jump on them. You want them to come along slowly. But these guys that have been playing four-year college football and been in Alabama's program or Colorado's program or whatever, hey, i got to find out if you can play, son. So that really disappoints me that the Alabama tackle can't practice in the spring. Yeah, now he might be able to come back later in the spring, at least the start. But um, So they weren't sure yet. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's you're, you're the new guy on the block. You want to come in and be able to impress people. So hopefully uh, they'll be able to do that. Um, also, the spring showcase is on the 17th, like I said. They're going to try to make it like a game. Aguilar, excuse me. The name of the receiver, Aguilar. Yeah, that's what I said, Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. 
That's right. He's okay. the one that got $26 million, okay? I didn't, I didn't realize that. Okay, cool. Good for him. Yeah, not um, a bad deal, huh? Two yeah. years. I think uh, I could, when I was gone on, on the hike, uh, the the Patriots signed a whole bunch of free agents. Like while I was, gone. I could but, live on that. Yeah, that would be that would be okay. Um, <laughs> that, that wouldn't be too bad. So the spring showcase is the seventeenth, like I mentioned. Um, re- real quick uh, before we jump into questions, uh, what did what do you try to accomplish uh, going into a spring football session? Well, you know, first of all, you know, I just mentioned part of it. I got to find out who can play with that, or transfers, or community college players. And again, I want to encourage my younger players as far as feeling comfortable being a part of our program, uh, making sure our coaches uh, that are coaching them, you know, uh, are not too hard on them at first. Because remember, we've been recruiting these players and we've been nothing but nice to to them for a long period of time. So it's a big adjustment for being pleased. Uh, Thank you for coming. You know, love your parents say, you know, in a harsh way, get over there and do this or do that. So you got to be real careful. You got to be positive, but again, again, you got to be respect them, and they got to respect you and what you're trying to teach them. But you got to make sure your young players come along. You got to make sure that your players returning uh, get an opportunity to be the first as far as getting that new position, and they play so they know uh, that they had their shot. And I think that's what you should be doing. I used to say when I went spring recruiting. I'd have a team meeting, and I'd say, my job right now, guys, I want you to know, I'm going recruiting, and I'm going to try to put every single one of you guys on the bench next year. I'm going to go out and try to find players that will beat every one of you out. If you allow me to do that, whose fault it is? Mine or yours? You know the system. You know what's going on. Don't allow me to do that. Improve, study, get your education, be eligible, do all those things that I shouldn't be able to bring in players to beat you out but that's my goal because we've got to get better and better and better so my goal for the spring is to become a better football team uh, in all areas and we don't want to get into the areas right now currently that I think they need to do but we got to become a successful football team we've got to unite our offensive line we've got to be one on the offensive side of the ball we got to be one on the defensive side of the ball we all got to understand how important special teams are and all the way we play the game, as far as leading the Pac-12 in penalties, we can't have that. That's embarrassing. That's not something that's, that's you should be proud of. That's embarrassing to lead the conference and things like that. It's embarrassing not to be able to rush to football. I'm tired of explaining it. These are the things you have to let people know what your goals are. Otherwise, kids don't know what the goals are. Kids don't know uh, what they can do or what not do. And uh, you've got to be able to push them hard to reach these goals and get better and better. I used to say in every day and every way, we get a little bit better and better in all areas and everything we do on the field, off the field, wherever we do. So this is what spring's all about. I think this is where you make the team in the spring and uh, they carry over that carries over in the off season. And, and uh, when you come back in the fall, basically you're ready to play. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. We got a couple of questions and we'll wrap up the show back in a minute. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. 
Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. All right. We're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. we got a couple of uh, questions uh, for the coach. Coach, you ready for some, some questions? I'm ready, man. Uh, we just Jeopardy. Got a- Jeopardy time. We just got a couple. And uh, by the way, for people who think like, do we prep and, and know all the questions and stuff beforehand? Nope. We just kind of read them on the fly and do, <laughs> do what we can. But that's what we do here on the Peristyle Podcast. This is from uh, Steve, class of 1980. He says, great podcast, guys. Always look forward to Coach Hyde joining the program. Keely Shotgun Ryan and Coach Hyde have all commented recently that the USC football team has underachieved and would have performed better under different leadership. Uh, I would reference the recent uh, hypothetical regarding Nick Saban coaching the Trojans. Coach Hyde said they would certainly have won the Pac-12 championship last year had someone of Saban's caliber been coaching the team. So my question is for Coach Hyde. Coach Clayton's a smart man. He is certainly aware of his shortcomings. Did you ever, as a coach, feel like your coaching skills were insufficient for the position you were in and thus inhibiting your players from maximizing their potential on the field? If so, how did you respond? Uh, in either case, given that 80-plus young men are under his leadership, what are your thoughts with respect to a coach's obligations under such a scenario? Steve, class of 1980. That's an interesting one. That is. Uh, th- if I felt that I wasn't uh, sufficient in an area, I needed help immediately. I'd go and find me somebody that knew something about what I don't know about. Uh, immediately. I mean, as far as in the passing game or running game or uh, secondary play or whatever. I'd take care of that. As far as being the uh, the corporate president, CEO, I, I could handle that pretty good. I, and I'm real good at giving authority to people, but I'm a hands-on guy, too, because I've coached every position. I've coached, you know, running backs. I've had great running backs. Icky Woods, Terrell Davis, they all played for me when I coached running backs. Quarterbacks, I can list a bunch of them, but Randall Cunningham would be one offensive lineman. We've had great offensive linemen, receivers, and guys. Defensive side, I was a defensive coordinator, and so on on both levels, community college and Division One. So I had an idea on how to do things. Now, was I the best at all those things as far as could I find somebody better at a position coach? or something? Yes, I can. And I want to find that person. And I want him around me. Nobody's perfect. I'm not 100% perfect in anything I do. I thought the number one thing I could do is motivate. I could motivate my coaches. I could motivate my players. I could get them want to want to be successful. I took care of my coaches. I took care of my coaches' families. I knew all of their names. I made sure that they're happy and everything was going right for them as well as my players' families. I would always ask them, how's your mom? How's your sister? How's your grandma? You want to call them or do anything? You let me know if they're having you have any problems. I cared about them. I could motivate them where they wanted to win for me. If your players don't want to win for you or help you be successful, you got a problem. 
You got to be, and you can't be, be a guy that knows it all. But you're a guy that, if you know you don't know it all, then you know how to find somebody that knows, uh, get somebody that's in the areas you're not strong at, and you you you're not afraid to have them around you. But that's why he's there. So I think that's you know exactly what you asked me, as far as could I do everything, that I have the capability of doing everything. Yes, I do when I have everybody around me that's real good at what they do. Then I can motivate all those people. We can be damn good, the players and coaches. But, you know, I always used to say, if you're a great horse and you put the jockey, the best jockey on him, normally you're the favorite in the race, okay? Well, it's the same thing in football or any sport you do. If you get the great player and you coach him right and the player wants to who play and for this coach and the horse wants to run for that jockey. Hey, you got a pretty good shot. So that's my, I would say, well, how the way I became pretty confident and tried to become, like you said, a hundred percent. All right. And, uh, we got a text message. One last question, coach. This is kind of recruiting related. Uh, it is recruiting related. He said, I noticed that Corona Centennial cornerback, Jaden Mickey verbally committed to Notre Dame reading the article. USC was not listed in his top schools. Any scoop on why too much competition at USC or was he not offered? Thanks, Ian from the SCV. And just I'll give my thoughts real quick, uh, Ian. Yeah, so so cornerback recruiting for USC has actually gone really well. There's a ton of competition. They brought in uh, probably the best secondary class in the country last year. They already have a five-star kid, uh, Damani Jackson, uh, committed. Uh, Fabian Ross is a highly ranked four-star guy. Uh, They're, you know, top 20 guys in the – uh, at their position, uh, you know, and, and, and Jackson's number one at the position. So just someone that they weren't, they were, they did have an offer out to, to Mickey, um, but just, you know, wasn't really trending in the right direction. He's, you know, he's probably of the guys on our, the, the board that we put up there, um, you know, he's maybe like the eighth or ninth ranked guy that the guys that USC is going after. So they've already recruited that position very well. They've got two, you know, really good commits already from that spot. So, it just didn't seem like a great fit. I don't have any real inside info. We can talk to Gerard Martinez about it, but I know sometimes that happens, Coach. You there could be a great player that's local that you can't get because you've already got a bunch of other guys that are that are the ranked higher you like better. Uh, that happens, and you know you can't take them all. I used to say I just want my share, okay? And you got to go after the ones you think that you at the time you got to offer more than what you uh, know you're going to get for sure. And hope that the ones you get fit your type of offense, what you're doing, and uh, you can forecast their growth and ability to improve themselves. But you can't get them all. And today, when I watch football, I watch any sport, I can't believe how many great athletes there are. Kids are so much better as far as numbers of, of running backs and quarterbacks and receivers and linemen. It's unbelievable. Look at the sports, uh, March Madness, and the number of athletes that are playing on all these teams. You don't even hear about They're unbelievable, the numbers of them. They all can play. Well, today, that's what the, the parody is going to happen as far as uh, everybody can't take them all. So you just try to get the best ones that you can get. Hope you get your first and second choice if you're taking two at that position, and the rest have got to go somewhere else, and you'll probably play against them. So you can't make many mistakes in recruiting. That's where your future is. Yeah. You got to make the right calls. And uh, yeah, I think for, for Mickey's case, it's just one that they got a bunch of other guys that they really like. And uh, that's where they're going. But USC's recruited that position extremely well. 
Dante Williams, obviously a big reason for that. All right, Coach. Well, good stuff. Uh, good to be back on with you again. And, uh, yeah, look forward to I guess next week is like a spring football preview. And then we'll head right into spring ball. So it should be fun. It is going to be fun. And for everybody out there, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, you be careful out there. Don't be going to Florida and get on the beaches. Will you promise me that? And if you're in Florida, please be careful, all of you people, because we're trying to beat this thing so we can all go to football games and everything else. So, you know, if I can follow the the rules in this, then anybody can. And I'm basically trying to do that 100%, not only for myself, but for everybody I'm around. Yeah, same with me. All right, Coach, great stuff. Thanks again for coming on. And thanks, everyone out there, for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.